Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cotton Yarns, the podcast for Australian cotton growers where we'll pick the brains of the best and brightest of our industry to help you get the most out of your crop. G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of Cotton Yarns. We're getting to that time of the year when we're going to start looking at applying growth regulators to our crop. Though it has been a little bit slower so far, we all know cotton's got the ability to jump out of the ground once it gets a bit of heat and gets its legs going. So today I'll be talking to Sandra Williams, a researcher from CSIRO, who's done a lot of work with, with PGRs, in particular Mepicot chloride in the past, and she's going to run us through, I guess, some of the basics around using PGRs and then some of the outcomes she found with her work. Now, before we kick off, I will say that this is only one side to the story, I guess, of the use of PGRs. I know they're a pretty hot topic in the industry, so this definitely won't be my only point of view or my last episode on PGRs. It definitely will be more down the track. So, And we'll also have Nick Stewart jump on in the end to tell us a little bit more about how to get in the crop and, and measure those vegetative growth rates, as well as run us through some of CSD's tools and resources you can use to help assist with those management decisions around the application of PGRs. So let's get into it. Okay, so Sandra Williams, work at the Australian Cotton Research Institute with CSIRO. Yeah, been here for 27 years and doing a range of research projects. No, very good. And today we're going to have a little bit of a chat about one of the more controversial topics in the cotton industry. There's a lot of different different management practices and theories around there, around PGRs and in particular Mepiquot chloride. But to sort of start off, do you just want to tell us a little bit about what PGRs are and um, in particular Mepiquot chloride? Because I'm definitely not expert on that one. Radio Angus. So PGRs are plant growth regulators and they're naturally occurring hormones um, in the plant. So Mepiquot chloride is actually... Um, an anti-gibberellin, and gibberellin is a plant hormone. So what the role of gibberellin is, is it affects the chemical synthesis or the chemical processes involved in little plant cells and how they stretch out, so how they get longer, how they get bigger. And if you apply thing of something like mepicot chloride and anti-gibberellin and there's other anti-gibberellins as well out there but this is the main one that we've the cotton industry has been using for a long time um, you will reduce all the little plant cell sizes so you reduce the size of your leaves you reduce the size of your stem you reduce the length of your petioles you reduce the length of your internodes um, yeah all it just makes it a more compact um factory, if you like, or unit to grow cotton. So what can happen as well is that it will end up looking a darker green colour as well because it's still got to fit the same amount of those little green things called chlorophyll into the into the leaf area. Um, so that's what mepicot chloride actually does. Yep, yep. yep. And I guess... It- I guess the one that sort of gets missed a lot of the time is it actually does reduce the leaf area, which can have some other effects. It doesn't just short, the, you know, your internode length and and stuff like that. But I guess we'll move into the decision-making around mepicot chloride. You know, there's a, there's a couple of different ways that most people make that decision on when to apply it and, and how much to apply it. But I guess the main one is um, VGRs or 
your yeah. vegetative growth rates. Um, do you just want to tell us a little bit about what they are and how they're measured and used to make that decision on when and how much um, growth regulant to apply? Yeah, sure. So I guess the main use of mepiglot chloride is to restore that balance between your vegetative growth and your reproductive growth. Um, and one little way to make that decision is by looking at the rate of growth. And a really, really, and it's really easy to do. Um, and it's quite simply when your cotton starts flowering, I guess about that stage, um, start measuring the height of the plant um, and the number of nodes on the plant. And if you do that weekly, you can get a rate. So the rate um, calculation is this week's height minus last week's height divided by this week's number of nodes minus last week's number of nodes. And if you can do that every week, you can then start to have a look at um, before the plant even starts to be more vegetative, you can then act and actually apply some epiclot chloride. Generally, if the vegetative growth rate is over five, five and a half, then you really need to have a look at your crop and go, well, yeah, that's a little bit vegetative. What is happening there? And it might be simply a fact that um, you may have lost a heap of fruit. There might have been um, cloudy weather, for example, and you've lost a whole heap of flowers. It might be that there's been a pest attack of some sort. Um, all sorts of things can trigger vegetative growth or the imbalance of vegetative growth versus reproductive growth. Hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. It does, and that's a good point. Is you know, VGRs aren't the the sole decision, the sole tool to make that decision. I guess you've got to look in the past to see what's happened, and you've probably got to look at what's coming as well. If you're, you know, going into some rain and some cool weather, you know, you're probably not going to get that massive jump in in growth. So it's it's a balance of of using all those things to 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 make that decision. But um. You've been doing a lot of work at, at CSIRO on, on mepicot chloride in the past um, with Dr. Mike Bench. Do you just want to tell us a little bit about that work? And I know you've seen some some results in there, but I guess the main thing we want to hear is, is are there any yield benefits to using mepicot chloride in your cotton? Yeah, okay. So the research that we did quite some years ago now was basically to test if the VGR recommendations or the PICS recommendations or methyl chloride were the same in conventional cotton as it is in the new Bolgard BT varieties. So we took a lot of Greg Constable's original work and original um, growth rate graphs, et cetera, and then we applied um, what he did in conventional cotton with Bolgard cotton. So what we um, did was looked at um, the two different um, ways that you can use methyglot chloride. So mid-flowering to balance your reproductive and vegetative growth, but we also looked at um, cutout as well, which are two sort of different decisions to make. The flowering decision is more about the balance in growth, whereas the cutout is more about evening your crop up so you can get a picker in there in, in a timely fashion. So they're two different um, decisions to make. Um, so we looked at um, comparing 
three applications of 300 mils compared to like just that one application of 900 mils early um, mid flowering. Yep. And we also looked at, um, you know, a liter and a half cutout rate compared to doing doing nothing, in and it was all in Bulgar. So we actually didn't come across too many significant yield benefits um, in the Bulgar crop that we were doing. I think we did it for about three seasons. We didn't really come across a lot of um, a lot of benefits. Um, either the flowering or the cutout. And it could have been just the seasons that we were trialling it as well because, as you know, Angus, every season is vastly different. Yeah, sometimes 100%. you get some good results, sometimes um, not so good. We were trying to make our crop, when we were applying the mepigot chloride, we were trying to make our crop quite vegetative. And how we were doing that, we were giving it probably twice as much nitrogen as it needed and planting it quite late. So that it would just, um, you know, it was like a little little energizer um, plant. It would come out of the ground and try to make make it at least have vegetative growth rate over five point five anyway. Which we did. We did end up um, doing that successfully as well. Um, our conclusions from all of that work was basically the fact that back in Greg Constable's days when he was looking at conventional cotton. Um, and the effects of mepicot chloride, they had some amazing, significant um, results with yield. And you can imagine back in the conventional days, you had that much fruit missing from helicoverpa damage. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Having a lot of fruit missing meant that it would um, have, it, it didn't need as much resources to grow. So it would have put its resources into vegetative growth. So you really did need picks back then. Nowadays, we don't have the helicoverpa problems. Um, we really can get a good handle of pest control. So you do have some good fruit loads there in Bulgard, which generally um, keep that uh, control, uh, vegetative growth in check. So Generally speaking, I'm not talking about all crops, but in Bulgard cotton, you don't really need to apply a lot of mepicot chloride. Um, it can be, though, towards cutout that if you wanted to um, have a nice timely defoliation and make sure that your head ditch and your tail drain in the middle of the crop was all even, um, it's, it's probably a good idea um, to apply some cutout picks. Yeah. And that all depends on whether the crop's cutting out in a timely fashion anyway. So if you've got a case where um, you unfortunately had to plant a little bit later, this year could be a good example of that with the flooding that we've experienced in the lower regions. Um, and maybe you don't know whether you've got a warm finish. You never know whether you've got a warm finish or a cool finish at the end of the season, particularly in those shorter season areas um, down south or to the east of here. Um, then you really need to have a look at um, nodes above white flower and track that every week just to just to keep an eye on whether it's tracking towards cutout at a timely at the time where you have your last effective flower. So for Narrabri region, you're looking at sort of the end of February. You want to be get cu cutting out towards that four or five nodes above white flower, and if you're not then it's a really good idea to have your um, cutout rates of methicot chloride up your sleeve probably about two weeks before that last effective flower date. Yeah. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. 
definitely does. And that's a big thing that your um, last effective flower date is going to be different, sort of, wherever you are. And, yeah, like you said, particularly in these cool seasons where, you know, we don't know if we are going to get that warm finish, it probably is a safer game to play by sticking by your, your last effective flower date and managing your picks applications to, you know, be cut out by that date to get a timely defoliation. And especially, you know, if we're pushing that defoliation date back even further, we could be looking down the barrel of four, three or four defoliations just because that crop isn't isn't growing as well as it should be in, in warmer conditions and taking up that defoliation and metabolising it properly. I guess another thing that we sort of want to cover is the differences in mepicot chloride management between dry land and irrigated crops. I know it becomes even more of a, a um, hot topic in dry land on using mepicot chloride, of course, because you know we're at the mercy of mercy of the the weather with dry land cotton we don't have that water management to assist us along but do you see or do you um think there's much of a difference in terms of that management between the two cultivation types um if we could guarantee that um the dry land crop would not get water stress there wouldn't be any difference but unfortunately we can't have that guarantee so when you're um, making a decision in dry land, and I know it probably happened last season when it was quite wet in a lot of the dry land areas, you really do have to be confident on um, that next rainfall event coming because around about that 10-day period after a mepicot chloride application where your cells are becoming smaller, everything's becoming a little bit smaller, um, you really do not want to water stress um, your crop and similar with irrigation um, country as well you know don't probably apply mepicot chloride um, you know middle of summer if it's really hot and you're not going to get that water in time um, to water that cotton so don't have don't apply it on stressed cotton I guess so yes so the theory is very similar with the two of them it's just that you've probably got the uh, luxury of ordering irrigation water, not ordering rain from above. If yeah. that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you have anything else on that list you wanted to cover? Um, not really, but I guess um, if you just needed just a few little hints and tips, some points to cover it all off. Angus, I guess it's all about, you know, balancing that vegetative and um, reproductive growth, but it's about looking not just at mepicot chloride, but about the whole crop and what is actually happening there. Um, also, you know, it's about measuring that vegetative growth rate um, so that it's not vegetative um, so you can so you can get in and actually do something about it before there is an actual problem, and it's easy measurement of heights and and nodes. And I'm pretty sure there's Cotton Info's probably got um, some YouTube's on measuring height and nodes there as well. And it's about you know completely dif different decisions flowering as opposed to cutout, um, and re recognizing that. You know, nine times out of ten, well, what we found is that you're not going to get 
massive yield responses in Volga because it generally controls its own growth. Yeah. Um, there are situations where you do need to apply picks, particularly in new country. Um, there's some good resources. So the Australian Cotton Production Manual has a really good chapter um, that myself, Greg Constable and Mick Bange put together many years ago that covers everything that we've just spoken about, Angus. So that's a really good reference um, to fall back on. And I'm sure CSD have got a few tools as well. Yeah, yeah, no, so we've got a couple of tools that are in the pipeline for developing around decision-making for for applications of growth regulants, but we do have um, our crop uh, mapping tool out at the moment, which is Cotton Tracker, so Cotton Tracker's a tool that brings a lot of our CSD tools together and, and helps you visualise the crop so you can enter data and, and visualise the crop. And like you said, you can visualise that um, that nodes above white flower decline, see where it's at. We've got a bit of a guide or a, um, a benchmark, I guess, in there, and you can see where you are compared to that benchmark and help you make that decision. So, for example, if you're a little bit above um, the benchmark, uh, of north decline dense day degrees, you might be able to apply a little bit of mepiclot chloride to bring that nodes above white f- flower decline to a more steady, consistent rate, which will help you, you know, consistent, consistently manage that crop a little bit better. Um, but yeah, like I said, we do have a few things in the pipeline which which will really, really help out in that space. But um, I guess to wrap sort of all of that up, uh, Sandra, do you sort of want to give us, I guess, your top your top tips for growers in and consultants in making the decisions around mepiclot chloride? Uh, so yeah. Um, so I guess the top tips would be um, monitor your VGR um, so that you've got a little bit of information there to help you with the decision. Um, Recognise that generally Volgard will keep its own growth in check with the good fruit loads. Um, and I guess, you know, making sure that the crop's not going to head into a really high water stress period before applying the methicot chloride as well. And the other thing, seriously, if you, if you need to know, and if you need to help with your decisions, um, I'm available on the phone. Um, there's resources, pick up the phone, talk to someone. Um, and it's always been a controversial topic of whether to do it or not. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> so, this won't be my last podcast on mepiclot chloride, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, and all the best, everyone out there uh, for the season. Righto. Thanks for joining me, Sandra. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, Angus. Too easy. Welcome, Nick. We're going to follow on with what Sandra talked about in terms of VGRs and how they're measured, and then we'll go into some of the how we can utilise some of CSD's tools and resources to analyse the data and make uh, growth regulant applications based on the information in those tools. But to kick off, mate, do you just want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Angus. So I'm Nick Stewart. I'm the Graduate Extension and Development Agronomist in the Namoy and also out to Walgett. So I've been with CSD 13 months now, just finished uni, um, and yeah, so limited experience in cotton, um, little bit of, you know, bug checking when I was at uni, but, um, yeah, what a year to get into stuff. 
Yeah, mate, you, you started at the right time, that's for sure. It's been a cracking season, well, a couple of years, really. Um, better than when I started in the thick of the drought, mate. But we'll get into VGRs. So Sandra mentioned what VGRs are in terms of how the crop develops and, and the calculations used to measure VGRs, but do you just want to go into a little bit about how we get actually get into the crop, measure those VGRs, and then make a decision on you know, when to apply some growth hormone? Yeah, definitely. So I guess when it comes to measuring VGRs in the field, you want to you want to pick a part of the field that's representative of the whole field. You know, you don't want to be right at the tail drain um, where it might get a bit waterlogged. You want to probably walk in about 50 metres or so and um, pick a few plants there. And in terms of timing, you want to start monitoring that just before first flower. And, and I mean, at the moment, that's looking like sort of early mid-January around the lower Namoy at the moment. The Steph tool uh, on their website gives you a pretty good idea of when that's coming in. And, yeah, just uh, that's a really important one is just to regularly monitor that as the crop's progressing during flowering uh, to keep a good eye eye on it. Yeah, I think this year, mate, particularly um, because the crop's so slow to start off with, we can't really get complacent with measuring VGRs. We know cotton's got the ability to take off when it does grow some legs and get some warmer weather. So I think, yeah, definitely start measuring those VGRs well before flowering um, and, you know, sort of twice a week to really stay on top of the crop. Yeah, like that's exactly mentioned. right. I know it's it's been a bit slow, a lot of cool nights. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of crops been side-dressed and with an irrigation over the top of them, I think once they get a bit of heat on them, yeah, they're really going to fire away, get going. So, yeah. yeah. And, um, mate, CSD have got some pretty good tools online where you can actually store some of that that data that you are measuring rather than have to doing it manually one of those is one of csd's most recent tools uh cotton tracker mate do you just want to go into a little bit about i guess touch on cotton what cotton tracker is for those who haven't heard about it for a while and then go into how they can store that data in there and make decisions based on when to apply some growth regulant yeah absolutely and just so yeah, among all of our excellent tools on the website, um, they're available to, to all members. Cotton Tracker is a really great one for getting that visual representation of how the crop is tracking and progressing through the season. And so, yeah, you can log in a number of different measurements as the crop's growing. So you can log that height, as I said, in the number of nodes, nodes above white flower, um, those sorts of things. And then, yeah, it plots it against day degrees and gives you a representation of what's happening in the field. And you can compare. What's really good is, is being able to compare two paddocks at a time or two fields. You know, if, if you're new to growing cotton or if you have some new cotton growing country, um, you might not know that hit that field history. And Sandra might have touched on that. It's quite important to to recognising whether or not your crop has got a high potential for growing vegetative. And so you can, yeah, compare fields quite easily um, in Cotton Tracker and and get a sense of whether or not they're growing excessively or, you know, whether you need to take some extra action and double into some PGRs potentially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess one of the main things in Cotton Tracker for PGR um, decision making is the graph which depicts north decline so 
we've got a bit of a benchmark in there which compares north decline to day degrees and there's a bit of a dotted line there which is just a, a general guide I guess for north decline and you know if you enter your data and and you're well above that north decline you might consider applying some PGRs just to bring it down a little bit to a more consistent decline and then on the on the opposite you know if you are below that that decline and heading towards you know cut out a little bit earlier than you should you know you might PGRs might not be the thing to apply to that crop you know they might need an irrigation or or a f- bit of foliar fert or something like that so it's a pretty good tool to to visualize give a bit of context to making that PGR decision yeah that's exactly right yeah it's a really good gives you a benchmark on, on where you should where your crop should be up to at that time in the season and yeah, it does give you a lot of context. You know, you can see that retention and, you know, if you've got a low retention and your crop is all of a sudden getting really tall, you know, you've got some warm sunny days, it's just had an irrigation or it's just, yeah, absolutely be considering um, some PGR applications for sure. So, yeah, it's really good. It's a, yeah, real-time visual way of, yeah, seeing that crop's performance, so... Yeah, definitely. I I recommend it to to anyone out there to get on there and use it. It's a really, really good tool that combines a lot of our sort of individual CSD tools, mate. But I think we've ticked off everything there. We also have a lot of resources online, so past facts on Friday and things like that are all inside our membership portal under the resources tab. So you can type whatever topic you want to look at and it'll give you a number of resources there. But, mate, thank you for coming on and joining us for this episode, mate. Yeah, thanks, Angus. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Cheers, mate. Another really interesting episode there. Big thank you to Nick and Sandra for joining me today. Sandra gave us some really good insights into the basics around the use of PGRs as well as some of her work she did on Bulgard 2 varieties with with Dr. Mike Band at CSIRO and some interesting outcomes there, particularly uh, the implications of PGRs on yield where the work that Sandra and Mike didn't see any significant improvement in yield through the use of PGRs. Now, like Sandra said, it could be a representation of the season. I know there's a lot of, of growers and consultants out there doing their own work on on PGRs in the field. So I'm pretty keen to get other points of views on PGRs on this podcast. And it was good to hear from Nick run us through some of our tools, particularly Cotton Tracker. I've said it again and again. It's a really, really good tool and it will help you visualise and and make some of those important management decisions in your crop. But it's good to see that we're finally getting some heat across most valleys. Um, I know in the south there's still some pretty cool conditions around there, even with the late planted crop, but up here where I am in Gundawindi, you know, we're getting a couple of warm days. Nights aren't as warm as we'd like them, but we can only take what we get. Again, hope the season's progressing well for you guys out there. That's it from me. I'll catch you next time. (laughs) 